We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan source for all things Idaho athletics. Now, here is your host, Chris Keen. A jam-packed week, a jam-packed time. It is Vandal Athletics wall-to-wall, and we're talking plenty of good news as we welcome you in to this week's Vandal Insider Podcast. My head is spinning in the best possible way. We'll start right here. The Vandal soccer team winning their first ever Big Sky Tournament Championship. It happened on Sunday, a dramatic 2-1 to victory over the host school, NAU, and the team punching their ticket to the NCAA tournament. We know who the opponent is. We know when that game is going to be. We'll have more on that coming up. Hoop season getting started on Monday. The Vandal women in action winning at home. The Vandal men reviving the Battle of the Palouse, heading to Pullman to start the year. And let's not forget about football. The team getting a road victory against Northern Colorado. Still ranked there in the top five. Two games left to go. So much going on. This is, at least for me, my favorite time of the year. There is no lack of action. Before we dive into it more, a reminder, the Vandal Insider Podcast is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. As the Vandal's team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. 
And oh, by the way, we've got some great guests on this week's show. We've got Jeremy Clevenger, the head coach of the Vandal soccer team, to talk about winning that Big Sky Tournament Championship. The celebration after, we'll get some of the inside scoop on that. And of course, a preview of that NCAA tournament matchup coming up Saturday against Gonzaga. And someone who does such a fantastic job, Sam Herter, will rejoin us. He was on earlier this year, covers the FCS, the senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports. He has his finger on the pulse of the SES. Uh, at the FCS as much as anyone and we'll get the Vandal perspective from that national point of view on just kind of that path for the Vandals right now after they got win number seven last week and uh, we welcome in as we always do Chris Hammond from the VSF Chris what's going on man it's busy it's fun how are you doing what an incredible weekend Chris I mean you have Vandal soccer in the semifinals on Friday. You've got football on Saturday, and then you had Vandal soccer winning the championship on Sunday. It was just win, win, win. Vandal win weekend. I mean, we basically swept the weekend um, in between soccer and football. And I mean, I, I every day it was nice waking up and going, "All right, so what time do I need to tune in to this game?" And uh, left the majority of Vandal games this weekend. Absolutely thrilled with results. You, you mentioned soccer. I mean, holy cow, we get 2-1 revenge on the team that knocked us off last year. Just incredible weekend to be a Vandal and so excited to see their matchup this weekend against Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament. For the Vandals, their third tournament championship appearance since joining the Big Sky and then the team getting it done. Of course, you mentioned last year and coming back this year with a vengeance and getting that victory over NAU. Just so proud of uh, all the players, the coaches. What a great source of pride for Vandal Athletics and the University of Idaho. And, of course, it's not over yet. Going to be a tough matchup as they will take on Gonzaga. But the nice thing is they don't have to travel that far. It will be Saturday at 5 o'clock Pacific time. So you talked about how great last weekend was. Well, here you go. This weekend, uh, you've got the Vandal soccer team playing at 5 o'clock Pacific time and then Vandal football on the road. But you can uh, catch all the action. That starts at noon Pacific time. Trent Cowan and myself will have the coverage from Flagstaff. So that will be here before we know it. Uh, jam-packed time. And then, Chris, we haven't even talked about hoops. Hoop season got started on Monday. Hoops did get started on Monday. That was The women looked great. Um, you could tell that they were going up against fresh legs and Walla Walla there to begin. But then our depth and our coaching and just the ability of our team started to wear Walla Walla down there later and later the game went on for a huge win. And then you mentioned the Battle of the Palouse was back after a one-year hiatus, which was sad to see that the streak ended. But rightfully, it's great to see the game back on the schedule. Um, Vandal Hoops, you know, they hung in there. Uh, it's a brand-new team, and you can see a little bit of those uh, we're getting to know each other flaws against a, a Washington State team that's an NIT team from last year. So uh, it was cool to see. We had to go up against former Vandal Isaac Jones, which added a little different dynamic to it. But I mean, yeah, you touched on it. Basically, Friday through Monday, we just had Vandal Sports um, wall-to-wall. I mean, yesterday, Monday, you just get to watch the women's game and then immediately follow up with the men's game. It's This is that great time of year where you just basically have everything coming in a, a huge culmination of soccer in the playoffs, basketball starting, football down the home stretch, uh, volleyball would be wrapping up a tournament. Uh, all All the big sky sports are – kind of peaking or starting right now. So it's it's a fun time to uh, be in the big sky. It's a great time to be a Vandals. We've got uh, potentially two teams uh, fighting for a big sky title here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, or I guess one team to add to soccer's big sky title. 
And no doubt about it. And just that final thought on hoops. Uh, exciting to get these two new eras started. Carrie Amy, her first game as the head coach of the Vandal Women. Alex Pribble, the head coach of the Vandal Men. The Vandal Women, they will be at home on Wednesday. So by the time you hear this, maybe that game is coming gone against Cal Poly. And then another Big West opponent, the home opener for the Vandal Men on Thursday. Uh, the WSU team, very physical. They have size that I'm not sure if the Vandals will see at all the rest of the year. Certainly not in the big sky. So, you know, it's it is a journey. It is step number one and just need to see these newcomers in a Vandal uniform as uh, just kind of chapter number one of the season. Learn from it, grow from it and talking to Alex Preble before the game. Hey, we want to be playing our best basketball in late February and into March and a chance to to get out there and to, to stack up with the WSU team. As you said, that's had a lot of recent success, a number of new faces. But uh, again, that size and that physicality uh, probably going to be uh, unmatched or close to it for any other opponent for the Vandal basketball basketball team this year on the men's side another thought on football so a victory the team keeps rolling uh we are talking about a top five team in the fcs maybe dropped one spot in the latest polls but you know the polls i don't think anyone's worried too much about that right now you're seven and two you're five and one of the big sky you're tied for first and it all comes down to this if you win out you win these final two games chris uh you get a chance to at minimum have a piece of the big sky title your big sky champs So that potential is there. But last week's game against Northern Colorado, it's been a tough year for them. They've got a new coach in Ed Lamb. They've got nothing to lose. A kitchen sink game for them. The Vandals coming off of this emotional and outstanding victory over Montana State. And while maybe it wasn't the A game from Idaho, that A performance, you go on the road, you beat a conference opponent by two touchdowns, and... You know, we're kind of splitting hairs after that. It was mission accomplished overall. Maybe not the style points you would like, but still at the end of the day, it's a victory. Exactly. It's I got a text after this game that just says it's always hard to win on the road, especially in the big sky. There are big sky trap games every year for every team. And for Idaho, this is set up to be exactly that. Big emotional win over Montana State. Then you're traveling to elevation outside, unseasonably warm weather compared to Moscow and uh, playing a team that. I think got a little bit put down because they had just lost to Montana 40 to zero. But if you look at the rest of their big sky slate, they were competitive with essentially everybody, including only an eight point loss to Sacramento state, who is a top 10 or 15 team in the country. So, you know, we can't feel too bad. We ended up winning by two scores. You just want to get out of these games with a win. We had had come off not having to travel for three straight weeks with the bye week and the two games against Montana. So the team kind of have to relearn a travel schedule here, which is good because we're traveling again this week down south to a similar area in the Salt Lake City metro. And, uh, you know, we got a big one here against a, what was a preseason top 10 team in Weber State. So who also had a very competitive game against Northern Colorado, pulling out a seven-point win back on September 30th. Nice thing about the road trip this week is it's almost the exact same as far as it's the same kickoff time. You can be in that routine. It's noon Pacific, one o'clock mountain. Your flight's going to be pretty similar time to get out of Moscow Pullman to Greeley and then uh, to fly in there to get as close as you can uh, to Ogden. So uh, at least the routine part of that. And uh, to get back to it, you looked at the schedule before the year. This was definitely a game that, that stood out as is probably the toughest road game at least in conference play and the Vandals uh, have a chance here still with uh, so many of those goals still in front of them to, uh, to keep things rolling. And uh, it's just going to be an exciting weekend. We'll have more on that weekend. We'll have more on, 
on Weber State and the, and the matchup and, and kind of the interesting journey their season has been on. And it's been on an upswing as of late. That will be coming up a little bit later on. But first, we've got our interview with Jeremy Clevenger who led the Vandal women's soccer team to the Big Sky Tournament Championship. He's busy getting ready for the NCAA tournament, but kind enough to spend a few moments with us. We'll get to that interview in just a moment. And then you and I, Chris, really interesting. Sam Herter, again, uh, does such a fantastic job. We will talk to him on the other side of that. And then, of course, you and I will come back and uh, have a little more of a preview. But first, here is our interview with the head coach of the Vandal soccer team. We'll ask him if that uh, that Gatorade bath he has, if he's still sticky or if it's been all washed off at this point. Uh, here is our chat with Jeremy Clevenger. We now welcome in Jeremy Clevenger. And Jeremy, again, huge congrats on this great accomplishment. What allowed the team to go into Flagstaff? Get those wins over Portland State at NAU. I know it was a long trip down in Flagstaff, uh, but to come away as Big Sky Tournament champions. Yeah, you know, I I, I thought the team's mentality, um, preparation, focus was the difference for this tournament. I think they, the whole team, the whole group, just uh, kind of had that mindset: Hey, we are we're going to get it done, and this is this is our year. And, um, you know, we had two challenging opponents, you know, that first game semifinal game is always tricky because, you know, you come in after 12 days of not playing and then, you know, you play a team that just played in the quarterfinals and, um, and you gotta be sharp, you gotta be ready. And, and, and I thought we, um, handled that, that game really well and was able to, to get that one zero, uh, victory over Portland state and, um, tough, tough team to play against. And then. Well, in the final, it was just one of those, mints, like I said, that mindset, hey, this is us. We're going to do it. Um, and, you know, we went up we went up early and, uh, you know, got a goal scored on us uh, with 10 minutes later to tie it up. And then we literally scored with like 28 seconds right after they scored. And I think that was a, a really good representation of the mindset of our team uh, this weekend. That was incredible. Naomi Alvarez scoring her second career goal and uh, the team taking that two to one edge and hanging on to it the rest of the way. Uh, did you feel comfortable at all or was it just totally white knuckle time hanging on to that one goal edge until the final second in the championship game? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. You're never comfortable. comfortable. <laughs> you're never comfortable until that that whistle blows, uh, you know, but I thought our, our team did a really good job defensively. Um, you know, I think we looking at the stats. I think you know we only kind of Kira only had really one save to make. And you know, the NAU did have uh, some good chances that that uh, went went our way, if you will. But uh, definitely the team battled, um, and you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, you know relaxed until that whistle blew. Blew. I'll tell you that. Well, and then shortly thereafter, you got a nice Gatorade bath. What, what did that feel <laughs> like? I saw the blue Gatorade. What, what was that feeling like? Uh, it, it felt great, actually. It was sticky afterwards and cold, but uh, no, I mean, those are special moments. And, uh, you know, it's uh, for the team to do that. And, and we just celebrated and, you know, I'll take that. I'll take the Gatorade bath uh, anytime if we're, we're celebrating like that. Well, and what was that celebration like? I know just so much uh, blood, sweat, and tears going going into this and, and getting this uh, great accomplishment. How was the celebration for everyone? No, I, I, it was, it was special. It really was. It was, uh, you know, I think, like I told you, I think it was a, a long time coming for this group. Um, you know, it's been, uh, you know, really for the team, 
you know, we have the, the senior class that has put so much work in uh, to the program and they've been so close. Um, and, you know, we have some others, obviously some juniors, sophomores and freshmen that have been super impactful. But uh, it was just a, a moment for this group to celebrate all the long and hard work um, and sacrifices they put in. Um, and uh, it was truly something special to see all the players hug each other, just be so happy for each other. Um, and um, something I'll never forget. Well, there will be a banner hanging to honor this team. I know there'll be reunions uh, years down the road for this great group of players and for this accomplishment. And I'm curious, I bet when you finally got back to your phone, it it was blowing up. But uh, what does this mean? You kind of talk about the current players, but for everyone who's ever been part of the program, I know this has to be special for them as well. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, being part of the, the Vandal soccer program and really Vandal community, you know, we're, we're into this together. And, you know, I've had a, a lot of uh, former players um, that I coached reached out um, and, uh, you know, I told them, hey, you're a part of this. You know, we're not here without you and, and your contributions. And so I think it, you know, I think uh, even former players felt uh, the love and, 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 you know, accomplishment and um, was happy that we could finally break through and get this done for the program. Okay, so that takes us to the selection show. You guys are meeting, waiting to find out uh, what is in front of the team. Uh, what goes through your mind as the bracket is unveiled and you find out that uh, next up will be a trip to Spokane for an NCAA tournament matchup with Gonzaga? Yeah, you know, I think watching it, we kind of had an idea of, of one of three places that we would end up um, and I knew it would be a good good possibility we'd be in in uh, Spokane with Gonzaga. Um, and, you know, I think uh, when when we saw our, our name up there playing Gonzaga, I mean, I think our fans were really happy. It's, uh, it's a game where we have a lot of respect for Gonzaga. They, um, you know, strong attacking uh, a team, but it's also a team that I think our players are ready for and excited to play. And, you know, we have some, um, a lot of those, you know, we know a lot of those players, are our, team, our players uh, play club with some of their uh, club, you know, teammates and, you know, just know past history. So I think it's going to be some familiarity with them in the Springs as well. So uh, we're we're excited about um, the opportunity to stay close to home, get some fans up there uh, and play uh, a good side over there. And for Vandal fans who will either be there in person, and of course, if you're anywhere uh, close by and you can be there, make sure to get out, cheer on the team for this special opportunity. Or for folks who will be uh, watching along, uh, what would you tell them if they're if they're watching this, watching it all unfold? What to keep an eye out for if, if this is going to be a good day for the Vandals and for the Vandals to have success? What are kind of that that scouting report for Vandal fans who will be uh, cheering the team on, whether in person or, or watching along? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to come down to a couple things. You know, the first thing is, um, you know, good defending. I mean, her, Gonzaga is one of the scoring teams in the country. And so um, we're going to have to be on our toes. Uh, 1v1 defending, in the mark in the box, you know, formations, shape, all that stuff. So we're going to have to be pretty pretty locked in in our um, defensive uh, responsibilities uh, for this game. And then for us, you know, I think um, we're going to have opportunities to attack and get after them. And I really believe in our attacking players and our forwards and what we can do. So um, having our players uh, have confidence in forwards, you know, have confidence to go in 1v1, creating opportunities, um, chances, shooting, um, I think that's kind of a key for us. So it should be, should be a fun matchup and, um, you yeah, know, we're excited. 
Can't wait for it again. Just a huge tip of the cap to you, everyone with the program, uh, bringing such a great pride to Vandal Athletics and the University of Idaho with this accomplishment. And uh, the exciting thing is, is it's not over yet. Uh, a chance on Saturday against Gonzaga with the team in the NCAA tournament. Jeremy, we appreciate the time. Again, congrats. And uh, I just can't wait for, for the team to, to take on Gonzaga. Uh, thank you so much. And go Vandals. And before we get to our interview with Sam Herter, first, a big thank you to our presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast, Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Dr. Kyle Hazelwood not only serves as the team physician for the Vandals, he also does a great job of serving the community with Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. And a quick word with Dr. Kyle Hazelwood. Uh, Dr. Hazelwood, what can you tell folks about the type of care and the depth of care available to our community through Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman? We have four surgeons in our group and, and we see patients uh, all over eastern Washington and northern Idaho and we see a lot of different things. Probably the most common things we see are, are sports injuries like ACL tears, meniscus tears. You see a lot of uh, acute shoulder injuries, but we also do a lot of um, arthritis type of care, fracture care. And so really we do quite a bit. My partners, Ed Tingstad, Matt Taylor, and Aaron Vandenboss, I think all do a great job. And, and between the four of us, we, we, we try to do as much as we can. Again, that is Dr. Kyle Hazelwood of Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Dr. Hazelwood cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. And now here's our interview with Hero Sports Senior FCS Analyst, Sam Herter. Well, we're kind enough to be joined today by Sam Herter, Senior FCS Analyst for Hero Sports. Does such a great job of covering the FCS as a whole. And he was nice enough to hop on the podcast at the beginning of the year, kind of give the preseason outlook. And uh, here we are, Sam. Uh, shoot, it's almost playoff time. You blink uh, and it. Uh, we're talking about the playoffs. And uh, from when we first talked and had that preseason outlook for the Vandals, uh, how do you compare that to, to where we are now? And as we talk today, two more games left to go in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, overall, there's been some surprises, you know, some things that have happened that maybe we, we expected to happen, you know, just from an FCS landscape. I mean, South Dakota State remaining at number one. I think that's kind of uh, been expected. But after that, you know, it's been, you know, we thought, you know, the Vandals were a contender, but then the Vandals lost the game and that dropped them back. But then they responded, beat the number two team, Montana State, who we thought was going to be a contender. Um, and so now it kind of seems like overall that two through six range has kind of shuffled around a little bit. And Idaho is no doubt, you know, somewhere in that two to six range right now. You mentioned that stretch against the Montana schools. Obviously, that's a big story of the season, just when you're in the big sky and uh, you're playing those other top teams. That that goes a long way to to show how your regular season's going to go. How do you view that stretch when the Vandals had that tight game, but the comeback fell short against Montana, uh, but responding and coming up with a big victory over Montana State? Yeah, it was an interesting time uh, because, of course, there was a bye week in between those two Montana games. And, the, the I mean, the Vandals were you know, kind of one of the, the biggest talking points of the FCS for, you know, how they were playing. Uh, but then, you know, the loss to Montana, uh, more so, you know, kind of how that first half looked where Montana had the physical edge. And then there was that bye week. So I think there was like that two week period where it was, okay, the Vandals are still, you know, a good team, but maybe they're not quite ready yet, you know, from a physical standpoint to compete at that high, le at the highest level of the FCS. 
well then, you know, again, the bye week happens, uh, you beat the number two team, you know, in, in the country. Uh, at that point, everyone kind of thought Montana State and South Dakota State were on a collision course for Frisco. Idaho kind of throws a wrench <laughs> into those plans potentially. Uh, and so just to be able to, uh, you know, adjust what needed to be adjusted during the bye week and then come out and beat the number two team in the country, I think kind of, um, you know, Again, uh, in in a sense, kind of flip the script of of how the kind of the national view of of what Idaho is and and what the Vandals can accomplish this year. And then for the Big Sky across the conference, what have been those big storylines? Because Idaho is obviously uh, duking it out in this really tough conference, which has a lot of depth, but also top heavy. Talking about those other schools, uh, Montana, Montana State, their Sac State as well. What have been your thoughts on just how the Big Sky has unfolded this year? Yeah, it's been interesting because, you know, for a little bit, it seemed like there's going to be six teams that have great arguments to get into the playoffs. Uh, but this was, again, you know, probably late September, early October. Uh, since then, Eastern Washington ha- has fallen back. Uh, you know, UC Davis has has fallen back. And so I think you probably look at the Montana schools, Idaho and Sac State as, as the four teams that are looking likely to make the playoffs. Now, UC Davis, if they beat, if they win out, that would require beating Sac State. Both would end seven and four. Then at that point, maybe UC Davis is the fifth team in, or maybe they bump Sac State out. And so it's UC Davis, the Montana schools, and Idaho in, in the bracket. But uh, I think most likely we're looking at four teams from the Big Sky making the playoffs. There is a chance a fifth team could make it in, but, you know, there's the CAA is going to be a multi-bid conference. You know, the SOCON could have four teams in, you know, the Valley has seven teams with an argument to get in. They probably won't get seven, but the bubble's just going to be really loaded where I think getting five teams in from the big sky this year, you know, might, might be pretty tough. And Sam, I want to plug your episode real quick that you did a couple weeks ago with Kent Haslam explaining the, the playoffs and kind of what goes into that. But you mentioned Sac State and, I was kind of wondering if you could kind of give an overarching, you know, synopsis of that episode to people that haven't heard it. And if they're interested, they can go check out yours. But, you know, what goes into the playoff selection committee's decisions on some of these teams? Particularly, I'm interested in the seeding because you look in the FCS stats poll, Sac State's right there flirting with the seed, but they have three losses. Is You know, how does the committee weigh three losses to potential top five teams um, and et cetera when going into the playoffs? Yeah, uh, there was, it was great insight from Ken Haslam, who's the, the playoff committee chair. He's also the athletic director at Montana. And so we talked about a number of different things from the future of the FCS playoffs, uh, you know, Frisco, the selection process, you know, all, all the way to like what happens when Montana gets brought up because he is the AD. He has to, you know, go out of the, go out of the room. And so it was, it was great insight into the ins and outs of, of how uh, they view things. The one thing that is difficult though is, kind of going along your, your question, Chris, of, you know, how do they, how do they view things? Like how would they view an eight and three Sac state team who won't have any ranked wins unless UC Davis sneaks back into the top 25, which doesn't seem likely, but you know, they're eight and three, no ranked wins, but they do have an FBS power five win. the three losses are to, you know, highly ranked teams, you know, how, how would that stack up against, you know, some other teams. Uh, and I think, you know, one thing he said that strength of schedule is one criteria that they probably talk about the most. Um, and, you know, really any Valley or Big Sky teams usually have a, a really good strength of schedule just because, you know, the, the, the computer algorithm, you know, really favors those two conferences. Uh, but it, it is difficult because it's not a it's not a group think 
thing for the playoff committee. It's not like, okay, we weigh this the most, and then this, and then this, and then this. You know, committee member A could weigh things one, two, three, four. Committee member B could go four, one, two, three, for example. You know, some can really favor ranked wins. You know, someone else could really favor strength of schedule. One person could really favor just overall what your record is. Um, and so that's why it's difficult. I still ask, you know, Kent, the, you know, some of those questions, like how do they weigh ranked wins? How do you guys view, you know, strength of schedule? And, you know, the answer, which I think is truthful is, you know, you can't really speak for anyone else because everyone else, you know, there's 10 committee members, they each might value something else. So it's kind of hard to get an answer of, you know, how do you guys view strength of schedule or, uh, you know, is ranked wins really important for you guys? It, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's for some of us, it is for other people. Maybe they value, you know, something else more than ranked wins or strength of schedule, for example. And that was a great point that Chris Hammond brought up. And I don't, I don't think I can emphasize this enough. That was a really excellent podcast. You had your podcast, FCS Football Talk. I listened to it on the plane ride uh, uh, for the game to for the Vandals to go play Northern Colorado. Super insightful. So for folks who haven't listened to that, that is definitely worth checking out because you guys uh, covered it all. And I think uh, there's a there's that appetite, there's that hunger to know more. And you guys got into the details, and, and that was super insightful. So again, for anyone who hasn't heard that yet, uh, that's definitely worth checking out. And, uh, you know, we're kind of at this point, Sam, where it's fun to think about what could happen. I know you had your latest uh, bracketology come out recently, and, and here we are two weeks out, and there's always upsets these last couple of weeks, so who knows? But Idaho's looking at these last two games, Weber State and Idaho State. You know, if you're the Vandals, you'd love to win these games. You're, you're going to go in probably as the favorite, but it would kind of make the season for Weber State and Idaho State if you could pull off a victory over Idaho. Let's let's just play out this scenario. What If Idaho wins out, uh, what do you see as the potential scenarios for the team's playoff positioning? Yeah, I think if the Vandals win out, they're likely looking at a top three seed. Um it kind of depends on what Montana does. And so I think Montana right now is in the driver's seat to be the number two seed behind South Dakota State. Uh, the Grizz would have to win out, which would uh, require beating Montana State uh, at home. Um, that game is in Missoula. Um, and, you know, Montana, if they were to win that game, they would be 10-1 and one, um, overall. The Grizz would have, uh, you know, four ranked wins, three of them all coming uh, against top 10 teams. And then, you know, they would have the head to head over Idaho, um, which would probably put Montana to Idaho three. Now, if Montana state wins, I think Idaho probably gets bumped up to the number two seed because the Vandals would be, uh, you know, nine and two, uh, overall, they would be, uh, I think three ranked wins, you know, in there, there's an FBS win in there, which weighs a lot. Um, and yes, they, they have the head to head over Montana, but I think overall resume wise, that would bump Montana down. Um, and I think Montana state in this scenario would be the three seed Idaho two, then South Dakota state one. Now, you know, it's, that's not, obviously you can't write that in stone. Again, you never really know what the playoff committee does. You kind of, I value kind of past precedent on what they usually do and, and what I think they usually weigh, you know, Furman is going to be in that mix for a, top two, top three, top four seed, you know, they can go 10 and 0 uh, versus the FCS three ranked wins, but their strength of schedule is going to be like in the fifties. Meanwhile, Idaho is going to be a top 10 strength of schedule. And so I think overall resume wise, Idaho could be, you know, seated ahead of Furman, but right now Furman is number two in both of the, in both the coaches poll and the media poll. That's not always a reflection of what the playoff committee is, is going to do seating wise, but you know, there's 80 voters right now between the coaches and the media poll. You know, most people right now, you know, according to the polls, think 
Furman is the number two team. Does the playoff committee, 10 members, do they also view it that way where, you know, Furman is the, the two seed and then maybe Idaho gets the three seed. We'll see. But I think overall strength of schedule wise, the Vandals, um, you know, are, are in position to be a top three seed, just depending on what happens with Montana going forward. So to play a little bit of worst case scenario here, Sam, um, obviously this hopefully does not happen, but if Idaho were to slip up against Weber or Idaho state, do you think they still have a case for the seed at that point? And if they lose to both of them, are they sitting on the bubble or are they still pretty much solidified as a playoff team in your mind at this point? I think they're solidified as a playoff team right now, already at, uh, you know, seven division one wins. That's kind of the, the magic number to hit, especially if you're from, uh, you know, a more power power conference like the Big Sky or the Valley. And so worst case scenario, Idaho loses both or seven and four, but they have two or three ranked wins still, two of them coming against top 10 teams, Sac State, Montana State. Uh, you know, the FBS win in there is well, but seven and four Idaho would be playing, uh, you know, Thanksgiving weekend wouldn't be seeded. If they lose one, you know, at eight and three, I still think the Vandals would be a seed probably in the six, seven or eight range, because again, you know, resume wise would still be, you know, pretty good at eight and three FBS win still have three, three ranked wins strength of schedule is still going to be, I think projected strength of schedule is still going to be top 10, you know, in the FCS. And so that's still a really good resume, but you know, you're, you're in the six, seven, eight seed range. And so you would hope you would get a first round by, you would host in the, in the second round, then in the quarterfinals, you would go on the road where like, if you're the eight seed, you're going to number one, South Dakota state in, you know, in the quarterfinals, which is not, not a very good draw. So uh, getting a top four seed is huge because then you can host in the quarterfinals. Um, and so Idaho, you know, I, I think that the, the Northern Colorado performance was maybe a wake up call, you know, in a good sense, like you still won that, you still won that game, but it's kind of like, okay, we can't play like that again or else we might end up losing it and costing us uh, some playoff seeds here. Sam, for the Vandals right now, they're trying to establish themselves as, as a top-tier FCS team, kind of one of those teams you think about when you talk about just the upper echelon. Uh, North Dakota State has been a team that's probably been the first uh, the first program mentioned in that recently. They've had a down year. That is, What do you make of this? What are your thoughts on uh, North Dakota State season where they have slipped a little bit? Yeah, it's it's been interesting in that in a sense, it's not too surprising, but in another sense, it is, you know, pretty jarring to see because it was just two years ago that NDSU completely rolled Montana State in the national title game a uh, year after the Bison didn't look very good in the spring season. Um, and so after that, you know, national title win a couple of years ago, it was kind of all right, you know, it's the Bison are back on top and it's going to be hard to see them. Uh, you know, that train kind of getting derailed. Uh, but even though last year NDSU made the title game, you could and ended up losing to South Dakota state, you could still see kind of uh, so, some weaknesses where, you know, maybe the, the dam was leaking a little bit, the bison weren't as dominant, uh, but then going into this season, I mean, they lost a number of guys to the NFL, lost a number of would-be starters uh, to the transfer portal. And so coming into this year, I think a lot of us did have questions about NDSU and, you know, a lot of us throughout, you know, eight and three could definitely be a possibility. And, and when you're eight and three at NDSU, like that's, that's not a, it's a good season, but it's kind of like, holy crap, you know, what, what's going on here? And the Bison still could go eight and three. They're six and three right now. They could they could win out against a couple of ranked opponents and, you know, maybe get the number eight seed and, and go on a decent run. But, uh, you know, the Bison have yet to beat a ranked opponent this year. You know, all their good opponents, they, they've lost somewhat decisively. So it'll be interesting to see where NDSU goes in these next two games. Uh, my guess is they probably split. 
winning this weekend and then losing at Northern Iowa to finish seven and four. Uh, that still probably gets them into the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, with the regionality of the bracket, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising for Idaho to see NDSU in the second round uh, or Montana, Montana State to see NDSU in the second round just because that's how they pair things up region, uh, regionally. Um, and I don't think anyone wants to see NDSU as an unseeded team going to their place for for a second round game. So the Bison are still a threat, but they are definitely not, uh, you know, physically and talently, you know, they're just not what they have in, in past years. Yeah, and something you've touched on, I think, in the past was NDSU's dominance and then the loss of, like, James Madison, App State, et cetera. You touched on some teams needed to step up. I know some teams that I recall you listing were like Idaho, were like Delaware, who have both kind of ascended to what you kind of mentioned to keep the SCS interesting. Do you think with Idaho, Delaware's ascension and kind of this down year of North Dakota State, this is actually a good year for the FCS? Because, yes, South Dakota State is kind of running away with it right now, but you are kind of seeing that the, the middle class of the FCS kind of rebuild itself a bit. Yeah, that's that's been a somewhat of a, of a talking point on some different shows of like where the FCS is, and you know it, it's in a sense it, it's kind of like it has been for the last several years, where it's kind of one team versus everyone else. Uh, but as far as the challengers, you know, as far as teams that you know, I, honestly, right now I don't know if there is technically a challenger to South Dakota State. I mean, they've they've rolled most of their opponents. They have six ranked wins, you know, already uh, the Jackrabbits, and so it kind of. Uh, unless something unforeseen happens, you know, the Jacks are, are heavy favorites to win it all. Um, but, you know, who that challenger is to the Jackrabbits, you know, is it a, you know, a few different teams from the big sky or, um, you know, is it Furman or is it, you know, South Dakota or another team in the Valley? We don't really know, but that's been the interesting talking point of we've kind of been asking for parity in the FCS and now, Besides South Dakota State, we're kind of getting that parity where teams two through 10 are kind of knocking each other off. But you can kind of look at it two different ways. You know, I've, it seems some people have fallen into the habit of, okay, Montana State is looking really, really good. They lose to Idaho. Okay, well, maybe Montana State's not that good. Or maybe Idaho and Montana State are both, you know, really, really good. It seems like, uh, you know, some folks have kind of fallen into the habit of when a team is looking really good, but then they lose it's because that team is not very good. It's not because both teams are, are really good. And so um, it's, it's hard to know like how, how good the top 10 is in the FCS compared to uh, what it was, you know, a handful of years ago. Um, you know, I think talent wise, the FCS is just individual talent wise. It's, it's, you know, as strong as it's ever been. It's just, you're missing those program names where like Furman being number two in the country, that just hits a little bit different than Georgia Southern being number two, in the country just because Georgia Southern has all that tradition. Furman is kind of a smaller school where it's like Furman, really? Like if Furman's the best, the number two team in the FCS, how good is the FCS? Well, you know, there's a chance that this Furman team is better than the, you know, 2013 Georgia Southern team. You know, it's just, it's hard to know for sure. But I think overall the FCS is in, um, is it, is in a fine spot. I don't know if it's, it's super, super strong, but I also don't think it's in, you know, a terrible spot where there's, there's no good FCS teams out there. I think there's a lot of, uh, good solid FCS teams out there, but I only think, I think there's only one like elite FCS team out there right now. And that's South Dakota state. 
and an interesting data point on that too, to just kind of give encouragement to the to the rest of those teams in that next year is just what Montana State was able to do when they played South Dakota State and seeing that game go down to the wire. But uh, uh, that just adds into the intrigue when it comes to uh, a playoff time and the rest of the regular season. Uh, I got one last question for you, Sam. And again, we can't thank you enough uh, for your time. We know how busy you are uh, this time of year. We've had the good fortune of seeing the job that Jason Eck has done here in Moscow. Last year, I thought he should have been the Big Sky Coach of the Year, and there were some really outstanding coaching performances by Troy Taylor and Brent Vegan, but it seems like maybe what Jason Eck did in that year as opposed to what had been built in those spots, I thought maybe separated them. They were very deserving. I think if you know we're at the point now where, depending on how these last two weeks go, we could be talking beyond Big Sky Coach of the Year, and you can tell me if I'm I'm viewing the world through vandal-colored glasses, but I also you know, have a front-row seat to, to the success and the turnaround and really how remarkable it's been. Is it fair to say that you know he is someone who's in the mix right now, and depending on how the rest of the season goes, uh, for the Eddie Robinson Award, for the National FCS Coach of the Year, for what he has done with the Vandals? Yeah, I would think he'll be a candidate, and uh, I can't remember how many... Um candidates there usually are for us to vote on and, and we vote on those awards uh, you know coach of the year offensive player of the year you know buck Cannon, which is defensive player of the year we vote on that i believe it's the first week of the of the playoffs um and so it is a regular season award um and then we get we, we get the finalist list you know probably next week but i assume you know coach Eck will be a finalist on there for um you know how how good the vandals have been uh this year and how he's turned them around you know into short seasons. Um, and I think he'll get, you know, a, a good amount of votes too. There's a lot of, it's, it's always hard to, to, you know, kind of decide what exactly, you know, how someone wants to vote on this. Is it, you know, is it turning around a program or is it being that number one team in the country all year? Um, you know, I think as far as like turnarounds, you know, coach Eck is up there. I think the job that Bob Nielsen, you know, has done, uh, from last year to this year at South Dakota, he's probably going to be up there. Um, I mean, you can maybe make the case for Jimmy Rogers at South Dakota State. Yes, he inherited a incredibly good uh, roster, but he's still, you know, winning at the top. Um, you know, I think Bobby Houck, you know, his coaching job, he's going to be up there for how Montana looked. As far as in-season turnaround, I think Bobby Houck will be up there. Uh, you know, Delaware, NC Central, um, you know, Furman. Uh, trying to think, like, there's, there's going to be a lot of good teams that have had great turnarounds or great years where that's going to be applied to, you know, what their head coach has done. So there's, there's probably going to be like 15 to 20 finalists for this award. And I assume coach Eck will be one of those finalists. And I think he'll get um, us as voters. I, I believe we vote for our top five and I assume he's going to be making a lot of ballots as far as, you know, top five uh, from voters somewhere, whether it's one, two, three, four, five, you know, I'm not sure, but um, I think, I think he'll be up there. Sam, great insight. You do a fantastic job covering the FCS. We appreciate the time today. Again, I, I'm sure uh, uh, Vandal fans are following you closely. It's it's fun. I don't know what it's like in your shoes seeing some of your replies and mentions uh, when you send something out, but I know it's, uh, it is just uh, a fun when you put something out there to get uh, and those fan bases, their responses. But for folks who aren't following you or where they can find your work, uh, where would you tell folks uh, the best place to, to get all your great info? Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, the uh, Our website is Herosports.com, and then I'm on Twitter, at Sam Herter FCS, um, and I do I do like the interactions, and so, um, you know, any trolling or stuff like that, I usually just ignore it, but any fair questions or criticisms or, hey, what about this, I'm, you know, happy to, happy, happy to answer those and respond to those, so, um, at Sam Herter FCS. 
Sam, this is great. Chris, any final thoughts before we let Sam go? Nope. Excited to see you here in a short time in Frisco, Sam. Yeah, I encourage. Hey, I, Chris, you probably have already said this, but I encourage Idaho fans, even if the Vandals don't end up making it to Frisco, to still go to that game because it is a really fun get together of all sorts of different FCS fans. So it's it's a really good time, and I'll be seeing you there, Chris. Well, again, a big thank you to our presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast, Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals, his team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region at Inland Orthopedics. Our team is your team. Always great to catch up with Sam Herder. Again, does an outstanding job of covering the FCS. If you're not following him on on Twitter or just keeping an eye on all the content that he produces, you need to do that because uh, really kind of unrivaled just the depth of knowledge and the, the just how great of a job he does uh, covering the FCS to know about uh, the landscape that the Vandals are navigating. And on that note, Chris, game this week against Weber State, a preseason top 10 team. And it seems like the recent trend for them has been kind of embracing a youth movement. They've turned to a true freshman quarterback who has had a, a lot of success as of late. So this is a team that has kind of found their way. Richie Munoz in their last game three through for three touchdown passes in the second quarter alone in their victory over Idaho State. Strong performance by the Wildcats defense. They had seven sacks, forced three turnovers in their 33 to 21 win over Idaho State, who is the opponent after for the Vandals. So that's an interesting one if you want to go back and watch on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, still a, a tough game. You got to go to Ogden, a place the Vandals haven't been for a long time. And this is an intriguing matchup coming up on Saturday. It is, you know, Weber State is one of those teams where they're definitely having a um, down season from where they were a traditional Big Sky power. At one point, they had won, I want to say, like three Big Sky titles in a row there in the late, you know, teens, early 20s. So this was a team that was full of potential. And, yes, they did lose their longtime head coach, Jay Hill, uh, but they did retain or promote their offense according to Mickey Mental into the role. And a lot of that talent was still there. So this team is capable. I think it's a lot of probably getting used to new style of coaching, uh, going from a defensive coach to an offensive coach. You touched on it. They've officially gone to youth movement, starting Richie Munoz, who started the last three games. They've started to see a little bit more competitive results, probably due to that. Only losing to UC Davis by one, only losing to Eastern Washington by eight. And then they actually beat Idaho State in Holt Arena last weekend. Um, pretty well, uh, handily with a 12 point victory there. So, you know, starting to come into it as late, not losing games as bad as they were there in the middle of their stretch. Um, so I think you are kind of seeing them start to gel a little bit and you just hope that they need a little bit more gelling coming into this week and they're not quite ready for a competition like a top five Idaho, but we'll see. It's going to be tough. They're young. They're physical on the lines of scrimmage uh, and they are a team that is used to winning. So, um, I, I think they have a, very sour taste in their mouth this year. And uh, if there was one way to maybe salvage this season, getting a top five, top 10 win over an Idaho team would be something that, you know, this coaching staff would love to hang their hat on as they try to recruit and get ready for the 2024 football season. And that's an interesting thought you bring up and something that uh, was running around my mind going into the Northern Colorado game. You enter these last three games of the year, the opponent you're going up against, if they beat you, 
that makes their season. That is number one, the highlight of their season. That goes for Northern Colorado. That goes for Weber State this week. And that would go for Idaho State to wrap up the regular season on November 18th. So just a little bit of a different position for the Vandals. And that's where you want to be. But uh, you went from being the 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 hunter to the hunted. Uh, Weber State, they did have a really good uh, non-conference when they went on the road to Cedar Falls and beat Northern Iowa 34 to 17. So they've they've had their flashes a little bit this year. Conference play hasn't been as kind to them, but recently embracing that youth movement and turning to Richie Munoz at quarterback and his three starts, the true freshman, 59 of 102 through the air, 57% completion percentage, 573 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. That is a hundred more passing yards than Weber State threw in their four previous games to him being named the starter. And you look at their depth chart, you know, a lot of freshmen and sophomores on it, kind of very high in that category in the nation. So those guys uh, kind of feeling it a little bit. But I think on a plus side for the Vandals, Chris, is look at that Northern Colorado game, still a win. Obviously, Marcus Harris deserves a ton of credit for what was the knockout punch, uh, returning that interception, a pick six, which was kind of the, uh, the defining blow of that game. And that put Northern Colorado down for the count. But Number of impact players the Vandals were without. Trey Thomas, the leading tackler. Dallas Afalava, speaking of true freshmen, how disruptive has the Vandal defensive tackle been as a true freshman out of Rainier Beach High School in Seattle? He did not play in that game. Uh, Keyshawn James Newby, who leads the team in sacks, uh, did not play in that game. So, uh, you know, not clear if they're back for this week. Fingers crossed that they are, but... Uh, there will be some guys that uh, the Vandals will be uh, licking their chops to have back. And I know the team's going to be excited to get back out on the field, even though it was a win. Uh, I know that there was, you know, wasn't what they considered their top performance in that Northern Colorado game. You're, you're totally right. And we did, we have seen a lot of true freshmen start to take elevated roles, such as Jackson X, such as X-Ray Alexander. So we also are kind of experimenting a little bit with our youth movement as well. We are in that, that point of the season where with the new rule change, you were allowed to have four games and keep your red shirt and it used to count the playoffs now it does no it no longer counts the playoffs so we can play these people um young players as much as we want within the four games in the regular season and then use them all throughout the playoffs i mean you're thinking of um there's some wide receivers i know we'd like to see get on the field such as mark hamper trace higgins so um and and others all throughout the board uh, so tight ends possibly so it's we have some youth that we can kind of play with here and get in and get their experience as well. And we did see that a little bit with Northern Colorado and, you know, for Weber state, they've started to make that youth change. Um, Munoz is an interesting one. He's sitting at three games played right now. They have a winnable game against Cal Poly next week. Now I expect we'll see Munoz, but you know, the Weber state has some um, things they got to figure out. Do they want to preserve a red shirt for the quarterback or they want to go after a win against Idaho? And if they do, do they bench him against Cal Poly? And, you know, for us, we're just focused on one game at a time. And we have a team that we kind of get to have more fun with and really do a lot of, I guess, youth roster management, if that makes any sense. So I'm excited to see what we're able to do. I'm excited that we are getting to see a little bit more of these young players because we do have that ability to play them and preserve their red shirts. And we, we've got a big one this week because, Weber State is a team that traditionally likes to run the ball. While Montana did beat us running the ball, Montana State was unable to beat us running the ball. So it'll be interesting to see kind of another team that, you know, just had two, over 200 yards on the ground against Idaho State coming in. We're at their place and uh, see if our defense can put up another uh, extremely impressive performance like they did against the Bobcats two weeks ago. 
You mentioned some of those uh, those youthful guys, the the youngsters, and exciting when they get in, and, and maybe not as much of a chance as uh, you could have hoped going into the Northern Colorado game to see some of those youngsters. But uh, nice when you do have the opportunity for that to be sprinkled in. I know the Vandals shoot if it's by one point, whatever it is, if they can come out on top these next two games, you win a share of the Big Sky title. It will work itself out, as we talked about with Sam Herter. But Idaho would be in a great position to have an outstanding seed to, to set up for uh, an opportunity to make a deep run. And I do appreciate what Coach Eck has said before that, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the younger guys and if they're playing, if they're not playing this year, when you're factoring, maybe the redshirt factor are not with the four games. He's saying, hey, we, we, we've got a chance here to make a deep run. We've got and we owe it to our seniors to put. Uh, our best foot forward, our best guys out on the field. And uh, it's just special. It's special that uh, we're at this point and, you know, who knows how these next two games go. You know, I, I would think it would take a lot. I would think Idaho is one of four FCS teams with an FBS win. The Vandals are at seven victories. Even if, you know, you look at the next two weeks, it's about the worst case scenario. I would still think the Vandals make their way into the playoffs. So uh, the fact that we're able to have these conversations at this point, and uh, it's a lot of fun to think about uh, for all the Vandal fans out there and just everyone who follows Vandal football. So as we put a bow on this, uh, this podcast, what's coming up? I'm just thinking about it here. So shoot, we go Saturday football at Northern Colorado. We go Monday, both basketball teams open the season. We got a coaches show on Tuesday night. Wednesday, we've got the women's basketball team, their Division One opener. Uh, that's the same day this one, this podcast will drop. They're hosting Cal Poly. First game at home in the Alex Pribble era. The Vandals hosting Cal State Northridge, a team Idaho beat on the road last year. Uh, you can maybe uh, catch your breath a little bit on Friday, but you're getting ready for a busy weekend as you've got football at noon. On Saturday, that's Pacific time. Again, our coverage starts an hour prior on the Vandal Radio Network and then the NCAA tournament. And that's not even everything for Vandal Athletics. We're just kind of ta- talking some of the things that uh, at the top of mind. This is a glorious time of year. I just can't say that enough. Yep, and no taking a breather for those Southern Idaho Vandals. Ogden, Utah is only four, four-and-a-half-hour drive from most of the Treasure Valley or Southern Idaho. The more east you go, the closer you are. So you Southern Idaho Vandals, I mean, could be a fun road trip. Salt Lake City is not a bad place to be. I have no idea if the Jazz are playing, but I'd like to see a lot of people make this trip. I think uh, talking to the alumni office, they've had a pretty good amount of people sign up for their their pregame function that they always do. I think there's going to be a lot of vandals down in Ogden, Chris. And if you hadn't thought about it, here's your Wednesday reminder. you got a couple days to make plans. Hotels are plentiful in that metropolitan area, and it's an easy drive when there's no snow on the roads. And if you were telling us we were going to play in – Utah in November, and we tell you you actually have about temperatures in the 50s and sun, you would have taken it all day. So uh, I challenge everybody down here in my neck of the woods, try to make that trip over there to Ogden, Utah, and let's support these guys. And what could be, we're allowed to look forward, it could be their all, their last road game of the season. That would be uh, that would be something. Or if you if you ever have to play in Texas to end the year, that uh, that's probably a good sign as well for for the Vandals. If and when that uh, that can't happen that's a someday. Neutral site game. Neutral site game. Yeah, you still have to you still have to hop on the road though. Still, true, uh, yeah, true. yeah. Uh, and anyway, just building on that thought, which is an excellent one for everyone up in the Spokane Coeur d'Alene area. If you're on the Palouse, shoot, you're down in uh, uh, down in Lewiston. Support the Vandal soccer team. They're taking on Gonzaga. Gonzaga, here's a little background here as we talked about with Coach Clevenger. 13-3-2. 
They won their first ever regular season title in the WCC. Uh, the Zags have had an outstanding season. A uh, second time, they have earned a bid to the tournament first since 2005. So the winner goes on to play number one UCLA or UC Irvine, whoever wins that matchup in Los Angeles. Five o'clock Pacific time Saturday. Hope everyone can uh, who's in the area can go cheer on the Vandal soccer team for what has been an incredible accomplishment and uh, one that will go down on the record books. There's going to be a banner hanging in the dome and a much deserved place in program history for the Vandal soccer team and uh, a chance to, to extend the season as well. So Chris, on that note, we'll call it a day. Good stuff as always. Uh, we appreciate the time. We'll talk soon and uh, we got a lot to cover next time we chat. That's the nature of this time of year. It is. It's a wonderful thing about this time of year. One more time, we'd like to thank our presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast, Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. As the Vandal's team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll have another episode dropping next week. V's up. This has been the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan's source for all things Idaho athletics. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.